0: Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Coin Press podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today I'm joined by Cal, founder of Leo Finance. Welcome, Cal.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, so, yeah, just for people listening who maybe aren't familiar, can you give uh, an overview of what is Leo Finance?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Leo Finance started uh, about three years ago, and um, it's a Web3 ecosystem. So the the entire idea and kind of our mission statement is um, to democratize access uh, and knowledge to to finance. So I think there's kind of like this huge gap. And I think, you know, obviously with all of us being in crypto, we believe in this, that there's this huge gap in knowledge and, and, uh, you know, a lack of knowledge uh, around finance. Um, especially as it's taught in, you know, traditional education. So, sure. you know, the entire goal of Leo Finance was started to basically take all the knowledge of people in crypto, um, who are deeply knowledgeable about finance. I mean, it's, it's actually crazy if you talk to people in crypto and then you talk to like normal people who are still in finance, but not crypto, the yeah. crypto people are vastly more knowledgeable. so. Um, you know, the whole idea was to gather all of this knowledge and kind of create a hub for it. Um, and and then, you know, it kind of expanded from there because it just kind of took off uh, into actually creating our own opportunities and and doing stuff with Web3 um, to kind of just, just broaden that out beyond knowledge, but actually, you know, usage.
0: Very cool. Um, yeah, I've actually found that too. It definitely seems like people in crypto... Um... who who are really thinking about finance deeply tend to share their thoughts at a deeper level like there's there's definitely kind of the upper echelon of people in in traditional finance who are very deep thinkers and economists and all that but it seems like we have a lot of well-rounded thinkers in crypto yeah why do you think that is
1: i think like if i had to guess i would say it it has to do with this intersection of technology and economics where you've got people who are already, you know, let's call them, you know, nerdy or savvy with technology yeah. and taking that you, you kind of already have this this um this deep knowledge about things that are more complex mm-hmm. and then as soon as you take that type of person um and you throw them into economics and finance it kind of like it, it just picks up naturally for them. Uh um, sure. at least that's that's you know what I've kind of seen firsthand.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the 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 challenge there is that a lot of times we nerds tend to think we're right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So it, it, uh, it definitely, it's a double-edged sword. You got to be careful with who you're listening to and and understand that everybody can be wrong at some point. Absolutely. Um, cool. So, so Leo finance, you started it three years ago to democratize, uh, financial education basically and, and, uh, share everybody's knowledge. Um, what's really the, the mechanism here how, what how is leo finance positioned to to really live up to that compared to just you know medium and all these other uh, opportunities that people have to share their thoughts
1: yeah yeah it's, it's funny that you mentioned medium because um you know medium and a website called seeking alpha which people in finance mm-hmm. are, are typically familiar with is uh you know they they basically share kind of a similar vision of you know creating this platform where people can share content so when leo finance started the tagline was actually a web 3 seeking alpha so the goal was to become kind of like this tokenized version of seeking alpha um and that that still you know lives in the in the overall mission um but yeah i mean what what makes it different i think is that you kind of take that idea where it's a platform where people can post about finance um and you kind of have all of that stuff mixed in um and then you kind of add that extra layer of Web3 on it, which has to do with you know tokenization and having content stored on a blockchain. So if you take something as like the base layer being like Medium or Seeking Alpha and then add in that extra layer of people are earning rewards, uh, mm-hmm. their content is being stored on chain, so it can't be, you know, their their Medium account can't just be deleted right. um, it, essentially when you're on Web3. So, you know, that's that's kind of like that differentiator where it's... The goal is to kind of have their uh, traction, but then have the extra layer of, of you know, Web three and tokenization.
0: Gotcha, cool. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on like with that tokenization? I know Leo has a, a Leo token um, that's distributed to people who post content and interact. Um, what are your thoughts on like? <laughs> what i've seen is that typically apps that add in tokenization and everything that comes with web 3 is it tends to complicate things right and so you get all these people who are coming from web 2 who don't really get it and there's kind of that hurdle that they don't want to cross to to involve themselves with it um i'm curious what you've seen in terms of people visiting the site who are uh you know actively engaged versus people who come read a post and then walk away and that kind of thing
1: yeah yeah i mean that's a it's a great point there's a huge gap between the amount of people that actually just come to the the website and just read content you can tell you know from bounce rate and uh, visitors every month you can tell there's just a ton of lurkers who just come in read some content and then they're gone um and you know i think it is really intimidating to look at you know all the tokenization and you know you find out that this is all on a blockchain you're like oh, I don't even know what a blockchain is right. so it kind of takes you down if you're not willing to go down that that super deep rabbit hole it kind of just scares you off and you're you're immediately gone i think the interesting thing about tokenization and and this obviously gets a little bit misconstrued is that it, the idea is meant to actually pull people in through tokenization so your goal is to give them enough of an incentive to jump over that initial hurdle. And um, I think in crypto that gets a little bit misconstrued as, you know, people get obsessed with tokenization in terms of how do I get rich, not in terms of how do I use this thing to get people in, which is the original idea. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if you go back to Bitcoin, I mean, the original idea is to incentivize people to use the network. Um, So I I do think that gets kind of lost in translation. You know i i I think there is and i i talked about this recently too that i i feel like web three in general you know not picking on any specific project is like an unfinished house so if you walk into an unfinished house like the framing is all in but there's no like plumbing um you know the drywall isn't in and some people like a builder will walk into that house and see like potentially an amazing project that they can you know they can envision what i can do with this kitchen and Um, you know, people who aren't a builder, they walk in and they just see a a crappy house that's not finished. Um, So I see Web3 as being like that unfinished house and, you know, picking on myself and Leo Finance, I see it as kind of an unfinished house. So you go to it and if you know what Web3 is and you're kind of familiar with it, it looks cool. You can see the potential future for it. But if you're not familiar with it, it just looks like a whole web of things that you have to learn that you don't want to learn. Um, so I, I think that that idea of tokenization could potentially be used for what it's intended, which is to get people over that hurdle. Um, Mm. but yeah, I, I do see it as an unfinished house where there's just a lot of work that needs to be done to kind of like simplify that funnel and say, okay, today, just, just worry about this today and then give you something else tomorrow.
0: For sure. Cool. Um, Now, I I think you do have the benefit of you have a good base for people to come in and actually engage with the content. You know, it's really if they want to go beyond that and upvote and not just lurk and, and, you know, create posts themselves, then they've got to start engaging with what is all this stuff behind the scenes. Um, So I don't want to knock you too much in in terms of, uh, you know, how unfinished the house is. Um, But the... I guess i'm I'm curious what you think in terms of that analogy, the unfinished house, what are the things and and I guess at what layers are they where where we need to work on finishing the house? Is it all just kind of the the plaster and and trim work on the on the front end or do we have a lot more plumbing and things to take care of to enable that yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, it's it. You know, I do think that the back end of these things have gotten really good. So when you look at, you know, like take say three to five years ago in this space, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you look at Web three or just crypto in general, it was so much less user friendly uh, than it is now, both in terms of front end and back end. Um, So in my opinion, a lot of the back end work has already kind of been done, and you know, with if I would if I could say like with the current backend, I would think that you could potentially build a front end that that you know is a finished house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I do think the focus now is kind of more on the trim uh, and kind of those surface level things, just making the UI uh, better, uh, making the user experience just a lot more simplified. Like I said, I think if you can get a funnel and get people in and make it super easy to just kind of take one day at a time. Uh, to kind of dig deeper, 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 which is kind of how web two platforms work. But we've gotten so used to how they work that it doesn't really feel like that's happening, but they do have this kind of way of getting you through uh, everything, you know, asking you what your interests are and things like that. They have like a a process for getting you through it. So I think that process of joining Web three is the thing that we need to kind of sort out.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, It's definitely like the concept of progressive complexity, right? Where you don't want to throw everything at your face right at the beginning, right? When when you hit the Leo Finance homepage, if the first thing you see is, you know, tokenization and, uh, you know, <laughs> all these yeah. complexities, then it's going to be daunting. Um, right. But if you can come and read a post, and then at the bottom, there's like, you know, additional information if you want to go deeper, then that's yeah. a lot easier to follow along with. 100%, cool. yeah um cool so we've talked about new users and and you know why you started leo finance um where where's this at in terms of like your daily active users or you know growth do you see things uh, still picking up has there been high points in the past and you know you're what just tell me about the, the journey so yeah. far
1: Yeah, no, the journey is interesting. And, you know, a lot of it kind of ebbs and flows with the crypto market, um, as with, you know, everything. I mean, you look at DeFi TVL or you look at, um, you know, Web3 users or NFTs. um, Same thing kind of applies here where, you know, when crypto is peaking and Bitcoin 60,000, everyone's so excited, everyone's joining. You know, I think at one point we were creating like 100 new accounts a day. Um, And yeah, so you hit kind of like this peak and now we're kind of on that, you know, Maybe on, on that lower end of the of the cycle where people aren't as excited. People, I mean, I still hear from normies all the time Bitcoin's gonna go to zero and, or five K yeah. or whatever. So you have all these people that are scared of crypto. So it obviously makes it a lot harder to onboard people and to retain users. So I, I do find that ebb and flow kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say right now we're at, you know, roughly five hundred to six hundred daily active users, uh, which is pretty decent for for a web three platform. Obviously it's I mean, we are compared to like a web two platform. We're not even, we don't even exist.
0: Right. Um,
1: so it's kind of fun to see that ebb and flow because, you know, at the at the peak, I would say you had at least a 1,000 to 3,000 people, you know, depending on the day, kind of coming in creating content or engaging with content. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think we're at kind of like this low mark in terms of crypto in general, and that kind of leads into where the activity is. Um, the thing that I love to see is that, like, we've been around long enough to to have been around for the last bear cycle. So, you know, from this bear cycle compared to last bear cycle, we have a lot more users. I would say we we were probably around a hundred uh, active users in the last cycle. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely been slow and steady, but but great growth over time.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, that's that's great experience to to have. Um... I think uh, you often hear with like startups, you know, those that start and and can live through the recessions and all that. That's a that's a good sign. So yeah. being around in crypto through bear cycles, I think, kind of counts <laughs> towards that. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe even more so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot more volatile for sure. Yeah. Um. Cool. So, the uh, the Leo token that is that's separate from the Hive token, correct? Yeah. So. How do how the tokenomics work there? Are you like pulling Hive and it's represented by Leo? Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. It's so, so basically the way it works is that Hive is like a, a first layer uh, asset. And when we create content on Leo Finance, it's like another front end for Hive. So sure. uh, let's say that you go to Leo Finance, you make a post uh, and you publish that post. That post is actually being published to the Hive blockchain. Uh, there is no like Leo blockchain. Right. uh um, leo actually lives on a second layer above the hive blockchain so um when you post content it's going to that first layer and you're you're earning hive rewards just as you would if you use you know hive.blog for example uh sure. to post the same post uh it's also going to the exact same place and you can read it on all the different interfaces too um but when when it's posted through leo finance it gets added to kind of like this second layer uh structure where now our system is indexing the content and giving Leo rewards to it. So in addition to those kind of Hive rewards that you would get, you'll also get uh, the Leo rewards and they work pretty much identically. So, you know, you've got creators and curators where uh, people can upvote it um, and distribute rewards to the content. And then you've got the author obviously who's who's receiving uh, half of those rewards.
0: Nice. Very cool. Um so this is a, a question for people who maybe aren't as familiar with the hive economy and how uh, how that all works. How do you afford <laughs> paying people right like it, you're, you're creating these tokens and there's there's money here that's changing hands. So where's the revenue coming from?
1: Yeah so um, Hive is hive is really interesting and, and obviously kind of seeded this whole idea of of a rewards pool um so so when you upvote people it's kind of when you look at it from the outside you might think that curators are actually giving people money from their own Mm. pocket from their own wallet uh but when you when you look into how it's actually working there's a daily rewards pool of a, a fixed amount of rewards so uh using hive and and leo works identically but using hive there's basically a daily uh pool of hive that you can access um and as a curator you basically have a, um, a, uh, a, a access to that pool. And when you upvote someone, the amount that you are giving them is from that pool. And what's interesting is when you add in staking, so the way that staking works is that you take Hive, you power it up into Hive Power. And the more Hive Power you have, the more you can dictate the flow of rewards from that pool every day. So. Essentially, you know, the way that you pay people is very similar to, you know, DeFi projects and and all of crypto and Bitcoin is, right. you know, mining where you've got this fixed rewards pool. It's it's new tokens that are being created through inflation. And then anyone who's staking can basically dictate the flow of that daily rewards pool to the authors. Uh, and then they obviously get a cut of that as well.
0: Cool. Very good. Um, So, yeah. So so that's the hive side of it and and leo you said copies that which is awesome um but you've been around in in the hive ecosystem back when it was steam right so i'm really curious how was your experience through the whole tron mess and switching from steam to hive and um yeah just curious
1: yeah yeah it was uh it was crazy um actually i did an interview with decrypt about it way back in the day um and we were talking about how you know it like it it was like armageddon on hive um at first where um you know it it was actually interesting like at first it was um you know we thought we were going to work with justin justin's son and um you know everyone on on What was called steam back then thought that this could have been a good thing where we're like this guy has billions of dollars he runs tron which is you know one of the biggest blockchains uh, whether or not it's fake fake users or not but he he basically has all this access all this capital all these resources and we thought hey this could be the moment where someone with marketing savvy comes in and, and can take us to that next level um, so that was kind of like the initial couple weeks of it, and you know we were talking with Justin's son. He did some AMAs with the community, and over time, things started to kind of turn sour. And his his vision for what Steam was going to become, uh, you know, didn't really align with what the community thought that Steam could be one day, uh, or mm-hmm. even that what it, what it was at the time. He basically wanted to merge everything with Tron, um, and I think a lot of people on Steam thought that we were going to lose our identity. Um, as as a community and kind of get merged into this bigger this bigger blockchain and and lose what Steam was really about, which was you know a decentralized community led project. Um, so over time, it kind of turned more and more sour. I think he did a couple more AMAs where you know he was talking about stuff and and the Steam community really didn't mesh well with him. And then this whole event took place where there's so the way that Steam and Hive work is that there's twenty top witnesses and they're you know, the the block validators and uh it's delegated proof of stake. So obviously you vote those those uh those uh, node operators in to the top 20. And what happened was he basically somehow convinced Binance and and BitTracks and other large exchanges to power up all the hive that was sitting or Steam at the time that was sitting in their accounts, uh yeah. which are obviously custodial funds. And he convinced them to power it all up and vote for his own top 20 witnesses and we all in the community jokingly called called them sock puppet witnesses so he basically ran all 20 witnesses and essentially you know just just made it clear that he was going to do whatever he wanted um, yeah. obviously the community didn't community didn't like that so then i think it was yeah it lasted it lasted a few weeks where it was kind of like this back and forth battle of um you know people in the community started buying steam and powering it up and trying to fight off these sock puppet witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, we, you know, if you looked at what was happening on chain and on exchanges, um, it was pretty crazy because you could see Justin Sun buying Steam, and then you could see people in the community buying Steam and kind of driving the price up. And then it ultimately became clear that, you know, if if we wanted to retain our identity as a community, uh, we would have to fork the blockchain, and and then, you know, that's how Hive was born. Um, when, you know, everyone kind of realized we, we got to fork the chain and, and do something different. So in all of this turbulence, and this was, I think, probably about an eight-week total period of time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, every every project on Steam slash Hive was kind of in this limbo stage, kind of like in purgatory, where, like, we didn't know if we were going to live. We didn't know if we were going to die. Um, we didn't know what was going to happen when the, the chain forked um so you know speaking from my perspective with leo um there was at least a week period of time where it looked like everything was going to go completely to zero and uh, we would have to we would basically have to look for another blockchain um and you know kind of kind of go off on our own um and then you know some information started coming out and people in the community started you know rallying behind this idea of creating hive um and then things started to brighten up again but you know, if you actually look at the Leo price back then, it went almost to zero along with almost every other, you know, steam based project. Um, yeah. It was it was pretty crazy. It was it was like full Armageddon mode. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was probably one of the most stressful times of my life. It was <laughs> it was crazy. I think I put out like a couple thousand tweets just talking about the whole like I, I was always just kind of like breaking down the situation, letting people know what was happening. And it was yeah. it was wild. It was one day we're great. One day we're, we might go to zero.
0: Oof, man, yeah, rough. Um yeah, I was not I was not engaged with the the Steam community during that time. So I I, I enjoy hearing <laughs> the stories. Um it, it's definitely a very interesting history that I think uh every blockchain project should be aware of just so they can pull um you know, understanding about exchange attacks and um what can happen with one bad actor and um there's there's also a big takeaway here that any blockchain can really just go start its own country, right? You don't have to keep going because it's all open source, it's all open data. So it, you can just take a point in time and uh, do whatever you want from there, which is honestly, I think, a great feature that exists outside of the software itself. So um, cool. So yeah, I, Leo, obviously... Was heavily impacted through that process. Um, yeah, but you decided to follow with the the fork to Hive and, and you know stick with it and not go find a new blockchain or something like that. So obviously you've got history. Are you um, are you like full on Hive with Leo Finance? Is there any kind of multi chain inklings you have, or you have other projects brewing on other blockchains? What are what
1: yeah yeah that's uh um you know it's Hive definitely serves its purpose of being the i i mean i do a lot of research on other blockchains and i'm I'm always kind of keeping a keeping an eye open on on what's happening especially with with web3 stuff Mm -hmm. and i still have yet to find a blockchain that has as many uh properties uh that i think are requirements for for building a web3 project um so things like um uh free transactions which hive has um you know three second block times Um, uh when you're building a web3 project you have i mean like leo probably does you know on the order of tens of thousands of transactions per day as as you know a community you know all the people who are logged in so and and if you look at something bigger like twitter i mean billions and billions of actions every single day so if your if your ambition is to build something that is you know web3 social media the transactions can't cost anything even if they cost pennies it'll add up to, to millions of dollars right. um, and the transactions have to be extremely quick they have to process you know almost instantaneously um, right. so i have yet to find a blockchain that can do the things that are needed to build that web3 kind of vision that i have um and then you know you combine that with this hive community that i think is second to none i think Um, you know, and like you said, any blockchain can kind of go off and create its own country. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Um, and when you look at something like Bitcoin, it kind of has like this immaculate conception where there's no founder, Mm -hmm. um, there's no one kind of, you know, no face to the, to the blockchain. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a pivotal thing. Like without it, without it, you know, Bitcoin wouldn't be what it is. So I think hive kind of has that in, in its own way where you know it did start with with you know a face or, or two faces uh in, in steam's case and then you know over time it it completely got shoved off into the community and uh, I think that's a harder thing to create than just to you know spin off a blockchain or um you know you look at projects like Solana and other ones and they have their own benefits but they also have their own uh negatives. So um yeah I think I think Hive is very unique for building this type of stuff. Um, and I think Hive will always be at the center of what we do. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you look at other blockchains, I have I have a fascination with these other blockchains. So we've kind of spun off and we're doing stuff on Ethereum, uh BNB Smart Chain, uh, Polygon. Um, so we're we're kind of, you know, I like to say that we're chain agnostic because um, you know, I don't have any problem with with other blockchains. I I sure. think every it, you know, even if you look at a completely centralized blockchain, I think that it has its own unique qualities that could potentially you know bring some benefits to the table for any project. Sure. So, yeah. So I I will never take an approach where I just say every blockchain sucks that you know isn't you know the blockchain that I like. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not a maximalist in any in any way. Um, so I think there's a lot to be gained to connecting to other blockchains and being you know multi chain. Uh, as you said. So uh, with Leo, we've created basically wrapped versions of Leo that live on these three block, these other three blockchains, and they're all kind of connected back into Hive. Um, and then along with that, you know, we've gotten ventured out into the DeFi, DeFi arena, and that's been fun to experiment with and, and build out too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, what What's really the, uh, the impetus for, for wanting to go multi-chain? Because I know like you know, having free transactions and and um, quick transactions on Hive is great. Uh, I mean, with, with Ethereum and these others, you don't have anything close to that. But you do have like smart contracts and and, you know, more flexibility. So is it really just about, you know, exploring new features that aren't possible on Hive? Or, I don't know, is there more to it?
1: yeah yeah great question yeah it's it you know it, it's a mixture of exploring new features and um i would say kind of the the main driver is to get more users so um mm-hmm. you know you can't i like it's funny when people say stuff like you know if, the, if you build it they will come um yeah. i i don't believe in that at all i think if you build it you still need to figure out how to get them there um right. and one way to do that is to go where they are Um, so, you know, there's a reason why Super Bowl ads are so expensive because you're putting your product in front of where everyone's attention is. So I think there's something very beneficial to creating a product on all these different blockchains and using it as kind of like an onboarding mechanism. So I'd say that's a big one. Um, and then I'd say, you know, even secondary to that is, um, you know, our mission statement says, you know, democratizing access to financial knowledge and opportunity. So, um, I see DeFi and smart contracts as something that's here to stay. Um, so I, to me, that's kind of that key opportunity piece where, um, you know, not only teaching people how to use this stuff, but actually creating it ourselves, uh, is Mm -hmm. super beneficial.
0: For sure. Um, I'll, uh, I'll say I've heard that perspective a number of times and I think it's it, it definitely has legs, like the idea that being multi-chain gets you in front of a lot of different users. Um, I'm actually on the other side of the fence on that one, where I think Web3 products have this idea that if you're on multiple chains, you're in front of a lot of different user bases, um, which is true to an extent. But I think as we look at our Web2 competitors and and that sort of thing, really, it's... It comes down to free transactions and having an experience that somebody can come in and use even if they're on no blockchain, right? And I think Leo meets that in terms of having content that people can come and read without needing to set up their own account. Um, But if you want to have the kind of growth where you can get any user and not have to just get the Polygon users and the Ethereum users and those kinds of things, you really have to have free transactions, free accounts, um, and, you know, the ability to do things where you can let people upvote without even needing to register and that kind of thing, you know? So there's a there's a challenge there that I think every Web3 product is going through. <clears throat> and it seems like a lot of them are trending toward that multi-chain decision, um, which I don't think is a bad idea. I just think that... It's uh, it's kind of stopping at a certain point, and it it puts a ceiling on your growth.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I agree with you. Yeah, it's you're definitely you know double dipping into the pond because if someone's yeah. using Polygon, they're probably also using you know BSC, and they're probably also using Ethereum. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. It's you know the the amount of users that you're actually going after are you know not in the millions. It's it's right. low. Um, so yeah I, I definitely see that um and you know to, to make it kind of going back to that unfinished house it's you really do need to finish you know that onboarding process and and have mm-hmm. something like you said where people can come in and do stuff without you know even registering um so yeah i i, I do think that's that's key kind of creating those those initial steps
0: yeah for sure um cool so the uh Let's see. so obviously there's there's a lot of things that you can do on hives, a lot of things you can do on other chains. Um, there's lots of new projects coming in each day. Uh, it seems like there's a thousand new blockchains in the works at any <laughs> moment. Um, uh, I know we we talked ahead of the show that i'm I'm following along with Koinos, which is you know, uh, kind of the brainchild of people from Steam. Um, so I think there's a there's an opportunity there for you if if you're already looking multi-chain, I think that that could be interesting, um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad to see that people are are using Hive to great effect and uh, are able to have platforms like Leo that build on that solid base and, and add tokenization and and Hive Engine I think is a great innovation that adds a lot of capability that you wouldn't have without yeah.
1: that. So, yeah, absolutely,
0: cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about industry trends so obviously you spend a lot of your time researching and looking into other blockchains and writing about finance and and all that thinking deeply what are what are your thoughts i know we got a little bit into the bear market um i've heard some narratives around this being the uh the macro bear and you know how that's gonna (laughs) extend for maybe the next decade because this is a (laughs) convergence of so many things um what are your thoughts on where crypto's headed and i don't know the finance side of things
1: yeah uh you know it's it's funny to see all the different perspectives on crypto and you know where assets are going i you know i started i started getting into bitcoin i think it, it must have been about 8 years ago so i mean i was buying bitcoin at like $500 um, nice. so to me i still look at 20,000 and i'm like this is crazy um yeah you know it's and i think anyone who's been in crypto for any measure of time outside of you know probably the last two years still thinks that 20k is is pretty pretty wild
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um so you know looking at prices and and seeing kind of the trend of where things are i mean you know stock market is is not doing well i mean we've had some you know i think just about one or two weeks ago was one of the worst days in in s p uh history so it's you know we've seen plenty of cycles play out from a macro perspective. And I think when things are going down, it's very easy for people to say, you know, this is the the perma bear. This is the the winter yeah. that everyone's been, you know, this is the Game of Thrones winter that's happening right in front of us. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's funny to see how doom and gloom it can get. Um, and I remember in, you know, what was it 2018 where, you know, a lot of altcoins basically went to zero um, Bitcoin. I think we went from 20k to like 3,500 at the at the bottom. Um, you know, it, it, people people really lose their minds when things are going down and they're seeing their portfolio drop every day. My perspective on it is, you know, what goes up must come down. What goes down must come up. In most cases, not in the, not in the case of all the coins out there, right? But uh, you know, looking at Bitcoin in the broader crypto market, I you know my my fundamental belief in its growth and capability as a technology hasn't changed at all. Um, and I think you know for you and for you know any of us who are you know actually in the technology and curious and reading, watching, learning about it, using it. Um, it, the perspective on it doesn't change. It doesn't fluctuate with the price. Um, the people who are who are swaying in the wind over the price are the people who only care about the price. So the people who you know bought some Bitcoin, bought some altcoins, and said, "I'm going to get rich," and right. then when they didn't get rich, <laughs> they're concerned. Um, so yeah, I, I I think we're in a I think we're in a very bad macro environment right now. Sure. I know a lot. Of, I know, like you know, governments and. The Fed and a lot of uh you know talking heads tried to resist the idea of a recession for a while. Uh, right. and now it seems like they've pretty much come full circle and, and are realizing that we are in a recession and potentially headed into a, a deeper recession, maybe even a depression. Um so I, I see that kind of in the short term. I see, you know, things getting pretty bad before they get good. Um, sure. but yeah, I mean I I you know I'm involved in real estate as well and and you know, things during COVID and Um, you know, I have a passion for cars as well. So like I I saw all these different markets kind of converge over COVID where, you know, crypto started taking off, the used car market went nuts Um, and real estate went completely ballistic. Um, And, you know, it's that environment. I mean, that was a super bubble. So we are now at the end of that bubble. The thing has popped. And uh, I think a lot of people think it's only going to go down, but um, I do think it's going to recover to a more reasonable baseline. I actually, personally, I think we're at kind of a reasonable valuation uh, for most things when you look at tech stocks and uh, crypto.
0: Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, I I would agree with that. Actually, I think the the macro environment right now. Obviously, you've got you know, it seems like energy crisis, war, um, convergence of all the money printers turning on. Um, it's a very interesting environment that I think a lot of people in crypto, just given, you know, age demographics weren't around the last time, like the housing market crashed. And, uh, um, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting time just in terms of how the crypto market with its heavily young population, uh, how that's going to react. And I think we'll see more volatility. I mean, you know we typically do see more volatility in in the crypto market um as a result of all these things so it should amplify and, and reflect what we see throughout the rest of the world but you know you never really know what's going to happen it, it could turn around in the next couple of days seems unlikely but <laughs> uh yeah <clears throat> yeah um it, but we can't all be doing so right I'm curious for for you. Obviously, you you focus on your own personal finances and you know being in real estate and crypto and all that. <clears throat> but Leo really focuses more on kind of the the macro environment and um, advice on blockchains and how to trade or you know insights into different projects and that kind of thing. Um, do you when you're writing on you know kind of that? advice for people and how to approach these environments and that kind of thing as well
1: yeah yeah i you know personally i definitely um have written more so in the past i would say than than lately you know as leo has grown my ability to write and and be active and you know content creation in general has been definitely hindered so a lot of my a lot of my content these days are you know clips from amas and interviews and stuff like that so uh i've i've kind of gotten away from my you know original you know whole foray and all this stuff which was writing you know actually on you know when i first got into crypto and then found steam my full-time job became writing content on steam so um you know that was kind of where where my focus was for a while nice. um but yeah yeah and i you know i've always loved personal finance and and uh i think i think there's Plenty to learn when it comes to it, and this this environment of personal finance keeps changing. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of figureheads have said we're in kind of like this personal finance revolution. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do I do see a lot of content on on Leo Finance about you know personal finance, but like you said, it's it's definitely people are focused more on trading and uh, you know blockchains and crypto. Um, I definitely have a few crypto projects that I invest in keep a close eye on. Uh, and talk about on Leo and, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool to see this, this, you know, kind of coming together of all these different ideas um, just around finance in general. Um, Well, like you said, you know, it's, it's, it's just as important for us to be looking at crypto and blockchains as it is to actually be talking about these kind of more fundamental uh, finance things, especially right now where inflation is super high and everybody's kind of freaking out.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, kind of circling back to what we what you stated at the beginning. There's definitely like a lot of big, deep thinking going on in this space, but it seems like there's there's that fundamental layer of how does that translate to your own uh, personal strategy that I think often gets missed or at least not talked about as often in the space. Yeah. So cool. Um, all right, so not really a lightning round, but a few people in the community had questions about Leo and and where you're going from here. Um, One thing that came up uh, was the idea of ads and, you know, uh, being able to buy ads with Leo tokens and, you know, show up on Leo. Uh, Is that something that you're looking at? Uh, Obviously you've got a ton of features you're looking to build. You just added emojis to threads and that kind of thing. So, um, where, what's the, uh, the future of, of, uh, Leo and where you're headed from that perspective? Yeah. You know, it's
1: Facebook and platforms like it got rich off of ads, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's kind of their core business model. Um, I don't see it being much different for web three platforms like us. I think ads are going to be how a lot of revenue is brought in, um, and how we kind of capitalize on all of this attention. Um, so if you look at Leo finance, we actually have ads now and, you know, we've got, we've been kind of playing around with, you know, ad placements, ad companies, stuff like that. Um, kind of experimenting with what's, what's out there and what we can do with it. Um, and you know, a lot of people we, we posted probably like six months ago about, uh, how we started working on the smart contract, uh, to integrate into, um, the ads program. So the whole idea behind like Facebook is that as a company, they had all these ads and they benefited from user generated content um, as a company, but the users didn't benefit from that. So the whole idea of Web three is putting that back in the hands of the users and and saying, you know, this is tokenized and everyone has ownership and what, what happens to it, how it's uh, you know, generating revenue, all, everything that kind of encompasses its growth. Um, So the way we see, Ads working long term is having the smart contract where um, basically advertisers come in and they place ads on leo finance kind of kind of how they are now, um, and that revenue comes in as crypto. That crypto is used to buy Leo, and then that Leo that is bought is actually distributed to all the Leo stakers who basically have a not only like I was saying with the rewards pool, they have a say in where the rewards are flowing. But they also, you know, kind of have a deeper say in how the platform grows, in attracting new users, in attracting more attention, writing good content, sharing that content, all of that stuff. So uh, it really comes back to kind of creating a more circular ecosystem where instead of Facebook getting rich off of the off of the ads, um, you know, we're trying to make it so that all of the users who are ge- actually generating the content, generating the views, are getting rich from the ads. Yeah. Um, so. I know a lot of people in the community have been like super excited about us releasing that um and that's that's kind of like one of our big key uh roadmap items hopefully to be done by the end of the year.
0: Nice. Yeah, definitely. Um I think it's interesting like the the incentive structure here with with something like Leo uh is that it it really creates the the incentive for people to not only write and interact but also to like share it right? Now they want to get more views. Now they want to get more engagement with the platform. So, um, it's almost like having a referral program of, uh, you know, tell your friends so that we can all benefit from, from new users. Um, I'm, I'm curious what you've seen in terms of, in terms of that, like, has, has there been a lot of like natural sharing and, uh, people coming in without you needing to do anything in marketing? Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really cool to see, um, you know, community, there's definitely like, I mean, there's definitely people out there who just want to post their content, earn their rewards, sell their rewards, and, you know, cash out, you know, I think that's going to exist no matter what. Um, But it's, it's cool to see that there's, you know, key kind of community leaders who, who come out and say, you know, I believe in what's going to happen in the future, and they start taking their content and sharing it. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of different initiatives have started, you know, there's people who have created, you know, Twitter accounts specifically for posting Leo content um, <clears throat> and like Facebook groups and all sorts of stuff on Web2, which, you know, have the entire mission of just taking links from Leo Finance and just propagating the Internet with it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And then there's someone just started uh, doing a Twitter space every Friday and they're you know talking about crypto. And uh, essentially just their their whole idea is, let's talk about crypto and there's kind of like this Leo theme kind of a, in the deep background and we can, you know, attract people over. Cool. Um, so marketing for a Web3 project, I think, is super interesting. Um, kind of tying it to that one point I made about the original idea of tokenization, even with Bitcoin uh, and especially for Leo, is actually to pay people to grow the platform. So. Cool. Um, you know, the rewards aren't there so that people can just kind of cash out and just make their money. And, you know, it, it's it's not there for that. Obviously, that's a use case for it. Um, the real use case is to incentivize people to come to the platform, use the platform and share the pl- platform in the end. Um, right. So yeah, it's the marketing has really been community led up to this point. We don't do we have done traditional marketing and, you know, doing articles on Cointelegraph and stuff like that. Um, but most of, I would say, ninety percent of the marketing is community led. People who just have a have a built in incentive to to share content and, and grow the platform.
0: Nice, that's great. Um, so, what's next in terms of of other features? I know you're working on things like community pages and threads, and um, I know somebody was asking about search on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a big can of
1: worms, I'm sure. But um, yeah. yeah.
0: What's next for uh, for Leo?
1: Yeah, I you know, our team has grown so, and, you know, the team has grown so big now that we're kind of able to focus on multiple uh, routes at the same time. So, um, you know, I would say at the core, though, right now, the focus is Leo Threads, which is microblogging. Um, cool. I think the future of Web3 is not just about creating long-form content. You know, long-form content will always have its place on the internet, but Uh, You know, look at the rise of TikTok and that tells you all you need to know about attention spans and where content is heading. Um, So Leo Threads is kind of that key piece where I think um, we're going to be kind of heading in the future with a lot of focus on, you know, being a Web3 Twitter. Um, And, you know, if you use it today, I mean, it looks almost identical to Twitter in a lot of different ways. Um, So that's kind of a I would say that's a huge focus for us. Um, you know the search thing is funny because you know we built search for Leo Mobile and kind of been testing it uh, yeah. on our mobile app. Um, but yeah, it is it is a can of worms. Search is not as easy as people <laughs> want it to be. Um, no. So, yeah, stuff like that, and uh, you know, really focused on the microblogging. And uh, we actually just recently uh, announced that we're actually rebuilding the UI in a lot of different ways. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of taking the UI we have. Uh, pulling it apart taking out all the unnecessary you know stuff that we built before uh, yeah. and, then, and then building something better um so you know we're we're always kind of looking for our edge in terms of technology and and uh you know I'd say I'd say if you look at it every year the technology that we have just keeps improving um, cool. so to me that that means you know the unfinished house gets a little bit more finished every single year yeah um, so that's kind of the focus
0: super cool um yeah so, exciting stuff uh, i'm glad that we got the opportunity to talk today uh it's funny we actually connected because of the uh, the battle of the blockchains thing that i put out uh where hive was yeah. a finalist so uh, <laughs> fun stuff there um, yeah that was awesome yeah yeah absolutely i uh, good to get some people from from the project over here and, and get talking so exciting stuff um so where can people find leo where can they find you and connect um what what do they need to know
1: yeah i I would say the probably the number one place ironically is to go to twitter.com finance leo so just find us on on web2 and then you'll get all the all the info you need to slowly get into the web3 stuff uh and then you know obviously leofinance.io is the is the home site um so yeah i would say those are kind of the two two best places to find us
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, I'll put those links down in the description. Cal, this was great. Really appreciate your time today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was awesome.
0: Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming. Join me next week for the Coin Press podcast. Bye for now.